Welcome to the Sports Deli, Season 1, Episode 13, along with Dr. J and Coach K. I'm Hootie Hoot, your host. You can always send us an email at thesportsdeli at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram, at Mike Hootner, or on Twitter, at Michael Hootner. Today we have a very special guest, Craig Escherich, former head men's basketball coach at Georgetown University. He was an assistant coach there prior to being named head coach after John Thompson resigned from his position and he's currently a professor of sport management at George Mason University in Virginia. He's worked with the State Department. He's authored several books. He's a lawyer and we're very, very grateful and honored that he's spending a little bit of time with us today to talk about a number of issues with regards to the police, the Black Lives Matter movement, Georgetown basketball, and then we finally will end with our very famous this or that segment of the podcast. So uh, first up, uh, I'd like to ask uh, Coach uh, whether or not he is interested in uh, doing yoga because we both teach yoga. (laughs) I got to get into yoga. Yes. Yeah, well, I'm, not, I, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not conversant in it yet, but I've thought about it and talked to a lot of people that are into yoga, and uh, that would be something that I would like to. Well, that's going to be well, one coach, of the... Hello, Gordon. Well, I, we're not going to use your title very much because between the, uh, uh, the things at the front of it and the things at the back of it, we don't have enough time. Craig is fine. <laughs> I have never called a former coach by his first name. And okay, well, coach is fine too, or professor's fine, either one. That didn't go in Bloomington very well, I can tell you that. <laughs> right. Can, can, coach, can we talk a little bit about um, sport management? So, Coach, here, here's kind of where I want to start, Coach. Um, and and I, I know we want to get to more contemporary stuff, and maybe we'll wind our way into that. Um, when, when I was an undergraduate and I was looking at sport management uh, as a master's program, the reason I was looking is because I thought a master's degree would make me a more lucrative coaching candidate. And that, that was sort of the mindset maybe 20 years ago. It's 20 years have passed fairly quickly for me. But, um, and so I looked at uh, UMass Amherst and, and a couple other schools, and, and I wound up at IU in their program really more to spend time around Coach Knight, even though I wound up in what I think was a fairly good um, uh, program for sports management. But c- can you uh, talk about a little bit about um, what – your program there is, is trying to cultivate in the, in the aspiring student that's heading into um, or looking for an athletic position post-graduation? Sure. Absolutely. So the first thing that we tell people when they come to Mason is the sports industry is much bigger than just college sports and professional sports. And our introductory class, we go over every segment of the industry. We have an undergrad program at Mason. We have a grad program at Mason and we have about six or seven different minors, sport analytics, sport coaching, sport communication, sport and conflict resolution, sport and computer game design. So there may be a a person in the computer program or the statistics program that wants a minor in sport analytics or somebody that is getting a finance degree in the business school that wants a minor in sport management because they want to work in the industry or they they think they may want to work in the industry want to find out what it's like so the first thing I would tell you in relation to what we're trying to teach our students is how many opportunities are out there how big the industry is and the second thing is what skills you need in the industry and people skills are very important understanding customers are very important if you want to get into coaching you know, that's an altogether different set of skills, management, leadership, and also certainly uh, an expertise in a particular sport. But um, we don't like to pigeonhole any particular job as much as we want our students to understand there's a wide range of skills that they can acquire, but there's also a wide range of jobs that are out there in the sports industry. You know, when they first come in the door, they're thinking, coach, sports agent or athletic director. And there are just so many more jobs out there now than just those. You know, you, you introduced the topic and you talked about graduate school. I, I became a coach 
because I was a grad assistant at Georgetown. Uh, my first two years of law school at Georgetown, I was a graduate assistant basketball coach. And back then, this was 1979, 1980, uh, the graduate assistant could do everything that a full-time right. assistant could do. I had every intention of becoming a lawyer. I was coaching to pay for law school, so I had no bills, so that when I got out of law school, I could become a lawyer and not have to pay back and not have to go with a big firm, that I could do what I want. And then I fell in love with the profession. I was going to say something must have changed. Yeah, it did. It definitely did. Yeah, my, dad, my dad was a Department of Justice attorney for 30 years. And so I grew up with a lawyer in the household. My dad met my mother, who was at the Department of Justice, too. She was a secretary at DOJ. And so that kind of got me thinking about it. And some people I went to school with also were going to law school. So I was going to use... My path to law school was more to use it as an almost like an MBA to get involved with a company and then get involved in a finance or leadership role with a company um, outside of the sports industry, not within the sports industry. And then I fell in love with coaching and never practiced law. Right. Now, it's, it's, I think it's interesting and perhaps, you know, really important that what you've said really has been going on for a while. I mean, I, even, even 20 years ago when I entered programs, all of my peers were thinking they were going to be agents or college coaches. That, that obviously hasn't changed based on what you said. Um, so the, the message is still uh, having to be repeated for those students. But it's probably not different than other fields where kids come in. Probably kids that come into the medical field all think they're going to be surgeons. <laughs> Correct. You're listening to The Sports Deli, Season 1, Episode 13, with special guest Craig Escherich former head men's basketball coach at Georgetown University and current professor of sport management at George Mason University. Now back to the interview with Coach Escherich. And then, and then Coach, you, you, you talked about, um, in, 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 in your reply, you mentioned um, leadership. And I, I just want to read something to you. A, a great coach thus should also be an exceptional leader. A leader has the ability to unify a group of players and make them committed to a single purpose. That's a very um, uh, pithy and cogent uh, piece from the George Mason website about the leadership program that you guys are engaged in there. Um, can you expound on, on how you are um, getting people real world experience in, well, in leadership I, skills? Yeah, I, we actually have a, we have a required class in management leadership uh, for everybody that is a sport management uh, major. And that required class talks about developing a chemistry. And the chemistry you develop relates to a classroom. So a teacher has to develop chemistry in the classroom for people to be able to learn. A coach has to develop chemistry for a basketball team to, to understand how to play together and how to fight together and how to sacrifice and all those things. But Phil Knight had to develop a chemistry with the first hires he had at Nike in order to be able to build a, a fantastic company, which he was able to do. And, and I will segue into, uh, I will segue, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I will segue into uh, a pitch for uh, Phil Knight's book, book, Shoe Dog, because I actually use it in a great books class that I'm teaching right now. And it's a fantastic book on how to start a company. Now you've got a couple books coming out yourself. You've been writing what for uh, at least being published for the last decade or, or so. And yeah, and the first book, the first book I did was uh, Media Relations and Sport, and we've had uh, two additional editions come out. And uh, it was interesting. The publisher approached me. Um, they put together a basketball coach, a sports information director, and a sports reporter. Mm. And three of us have written those three editions. Um, Brad Schultz out of uh, Ole Miss, and uh, the sports information director was from um, West Virginia, and he's actually a high school teacher now, and and then a basketball coach. Uh, you know, I never, I never thought when I was coaching that I would ever become a professor, and certainly never thought that I'd ever write even one book. Um, I'm sure a lot of people that covered a lot of reporters that covered Georgetown when I was the head coach there are surprised that I actually wrote a book on media relations and sport, but it was fun working with those guys. 
And, uh, you know, evidently the publishers liked it enough because they came back and asked us to write a second edition. And now the most recent edition just came out. And I, I just, before I, I, I swing into my next piece on this, I, I just want to uh, have an aside, which is, you know, you've now given really two examples where you wound up doing something unexpected. And I also think that's an important thing for people going into um, you know, sport management programs to understand that you may have opportunities that come your way that you didn't think of, you didn't dream of, that may be profoundly helpful in moving your, your career forward and providing you things that you, know, you may want from, uh, from your living. So uh, kudos for being flexible enough. I think the common phrase now is pivoting. Uh, it's yes. not a phrase I, I particularly like to use outside of <laughs> basketball, but, but, but I, I get it. So, so kudos. So the book that I was most interested in, and I'm curious how the progress is going, is um, Art and Science of Coaching. Well, uh, Bob Baker and I have been working on that book now for about seven years. And that's a sore wow. subject right now because we, <laughs> we, we're not close to publishing it yet, but uh, we're going to finish it at some point. And uh, of all the books that I've written, that's the one – that I think I've had the most fun working on, but we've also had the most trouble trying to get that book out the door. I'm going to console you or, or at least make an Thank effort. You. My, my, please, my yoga teacher, <laughs> my yoga teacher who, who studied with BKS Iyengar from the time he was five, he's, he's well known uh, within his circle and he's written a couple books. He, he used to tell us about the book he was working on, which I think is, I can't remember the name, uh, Fire of Love. He used to tell us that he and his editor would sit down and they'd work on a single sentence and it might take them, it might take them a day to get through <laughs> the process of it because he wanted a transmission in that, in that right. sentence, in that book. And so I think, you know, there's something to be said for a mind, mindful compilation of your thoughts and maybe yes. it's not how you guys wanted it to go, but uh, I'm sure it will be stellar when it comes out. Let's, and I'm, let's I'm hope so. Take a look. Let's hope, uh, let's hope we publish it before I die. <laughs> Oh well, let, let's hope, Coach. <laughs> Think, things guys over 55 say. That's, yes, that's yes I'm, definitely, I'm definitely over 55 too, Gordon. You're listening to an interview with Craig Escherich, former head men's basketball coach at Georgetown University in the Sports Deli. Season 1, Episode 13. Now back to the interview with Coach Escherich. So, so Coach, uh, I know from having read some of your study interests I know that um, you are a strong believer in uh, sport as a positive experience, sport as a, a, a thing that knits communities together. I know you guys have a program there that's um, lauded uh, in, in bringing basketball leaders from other countries there for, for study. Um, knowing that, that your position is that, and it's one I, I really agree with and feel strongly about it. Maybe every coach feels that way, you know, but, but we're, we're going through something now that Richard Lapchick called a, a, a racial reckoning. Um, and, and I, I just wonder, um, you know, with the, with the Bucks deciding the other day that they were going to uh, abstain from play, um, what's your thought on, on how, you know, listen, a lot of people, not a lot of people, some people would say, I don't come to basketball to have a political lecture. I don't care what their principles or beliefs are. Just play basketball. How would you respond to those people relative to uh, uh, college and, and high school uh, and pro athletics right now? Well, um, uh, the, probably this topic is something that uh, we could talk about for a very, very, very long time. And uh, it's hard to talk about this topic just for five minutes and to try and give you a clear idea about what I think. Okay. Uh, Let me ask a more pointed issue, question. So I'm going to, so I'm going to try, I'm going to okay, try. Okay. Good. Um, so, yeah. cause I have all sorts of thoughts in relation to this um, Great. and they all relate to, um, you know, my 63 years on this planet. Uh, number one, because I was a coach at Georgetown and because we had so many players that played in the NBA, I had a, a really interesting opportunity to get to know and meet a lot of other players other than Georgetown players who played in the league. And I actually had a conversation with Richard Lapchick about this very topic. 90% um, of the guys that I met in the NBA were wonderful people, great men, role models, 
interesting people and had their own thoughts about all sorts of things. And so um, I wouldn't want anybody to, you know, categorize what the Bucks did um, or to um, make some kind of generalization about any one player that they had. You know, they had, a, they had an incident last year or the year before in relation to the police that involved one of their players. And I actually read a lot about that particular player and he, he parked his car somewhere and a policeman came up and it, it, was, it was not good. And so th there was some history there, I'm sure, in relation to their interaction with the police. And uh, you're also talking to someone whose wife has been in law enforcement for 32 years. Uh, my dad was in, in law enforcement. He worked for the Department of Justice for 30 years. So I have some feelings about law enforcement and how law enforcement has been branded recently that I don't like at all. And um, so I think, you know, the Bucks certainly are within their rights to do whatever they want to do in relation to this particular incident that, that occurred close to where they live. But um, I also think that the job of a police officer, particularly now, uh, is very, very tough. And I don't know why right now, 2020, I don't know why anybody that graduates from college or anybody that's looking for a profession, why would anybody want to become a police officer right now? Um, it is the toughest job in the United States. And uh, these guys and these women that become police officers, uh, their job, it was tough to begin with. 2019, it was a tough job. 2020, uh, we're expecting police officers to, officers to be perfect, and um, they're not. So hopefully, uh, I've given you some of my- you, you, you have, and we should clarify that, you, that your wife served for more than 20 years as a, as a prosecutor my uh, wife in Virginia, is a, right? My wife is a prosecutor for 32 years, and she now works for the Department of Justice. So we just want to make sure people understand, you know, what that yes. means that she's in law yes. enforcement. Uh, yes. uh, so can, can we drill on this a, just a little bit? And then I'm Certainly. sure Mike is itching there to, to get in and he's probably got some probably more uh, carefully crafted questions. But um, is, is what's happening in, in, in pro sports right now, uh, the outspokenness of LeBron James, uh, his involvement in, in voting, um, the, the way the uh, WNBA team has um, displayed their interest or disinterest in one of their part owners. Uh, get, it, it, is this, um, I don't want to define this too, is this a, uh, a way that sport can and, and perhaps should or shouldn't really influence beyond the court you know what what's happening in communities is this is this a way that sport will 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 bring us together uh and 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 unite communities or or is so, it the opposite okay so gordon you you you've actually brought up a couple good things uh any any effort on behalf of anybody to encourage people to vote is a good thing the percentage of people that vote in this country is abysmal mm -hmm. number of people that get out and vote right now is terrible and, and, and encouraging people to go to the polls and vote, not just in presidential elections, but local elections. And every year, every time there's an election in your community, encouraging people to do that is a great thing. What LeBron James did and has done in relation to funding that school in Ohio is a wonderful thing. Absolutely wonderful thing. Uh, branding police officers as racist is not a good thing. And I don't think it, I think it's divisive. And I think that just as I said, most of the NBA players that I met are wonderful people. I'd say the same thing about police officers. I met police officers all over the place. And, uh, you know, obviously because of the background, both my father and, um, went to high school with police officers, and most of them are trying to do the right thing. Um, we need to turn the temperature down in this country 
about 25 degrees. Things are getting way, way in, in many cities across the country, including the city that I'm close to, Washington, D.C., right now. Um, and uh, I think some comments that people make raise the temperature. And I'm not just talking about our president. I'm talking about a lot of people other than just our president. Uh, we need to tone down the conversation in a lot of areas. We can still accomplish some great things, but the temperature is getting way, way too high right now. What are your uh, initial thoughts when you see someone like Jacob Blake being shot? You, you know more about the legal system it, well, than, than all anytime, of us. Anytime anyone's shot, I feel terrible. I mean, he had five, six kids, and it's awful. It's absolutely awful. And, uh, you know, uh, not, not, that much, not that much type of activity occurred, you know, in, in terms of, you know, in this community where I live right now. But uh, anytime anyone's shot, it's horrible. And, uh, you know, this guy's going to be paralyzed from the waist down, it, it appears. Um, and that's not good. That's not good. Um, but I will also say that, you know, the first video that came out, there was a lot more information that came out the next day about the second video. And uh, police officers across the country have an impossible job right now because they're expected to be perfect. They're expected to protect our communities and they're expected to be perfect. He was called, this particular group of police officers were called in relation to a domestic dispute. And that is a terrible recipe for all sorts of emotions are high on every side and you, you inject police to that dynamic and bad things happen and they happen a lot. And so that's a tough job for uh, police officers. I, I haven't watched the entire clip of either video. And I will say again, it's a terrible thing for anybody to be shot. That man had five children or six children. Awful, awful. But um, you, can't, you can't just look at it from that prism, at least I don't think you well, you were taught to you were taught to be more objective, you know, in in the way that you were, you know, brought up with your 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 family and and how you think in terms of being a lawyer and and a, a, you know a college professor. So you probably are more objective than a lot of people might be when emotions are running high, like you said. Let's hope so, Coach. The the NABC sent out a survey yesterday. Can you hear me? Yes, Gordon. Yeah, the NABC sent out a survey. I don't know if it was yesterday, or the day before. Uh, to membership asking about basically what they should do. What, what role should we have? What would you like us as a, as a member of, a, of NABC? What would you like us to do? Do you have any thoughts on how the NABC or, or if the NABC well, or the play NCAA. a role in what's going on? I, I, think, I think the NABC, the NCAA, I think encouraging young people to be involved in politics, encouraging young people to vote, encouraging players to get act, all those things are great things. And like I said, in this country right now, not enough people are involved in the political system. Not enough people, and Mike, this relates to what you were just saying, not enough people are informed either and want to be informed. Um, and so I think encouraging the NAB coaches, encouraging people to get involved, to be informed, to learn, to understand all of those things help to lower the temperature. And the temperature in this country is way too high, way too high. I liked what Michael Jordan did in relation to the NBA. Uh, and, you know, I, I wasn't involved in those discussions, but I read about what supposedly he was involved in. And uh, that was a good thing. I don't think it would have been a good thing if the NBA season ended. I don't think that would have been a good thing. It would have been divisive. And we don't need divisive right now. We don't need it. on either side, any side. We don't. City of Portland needs to calm down. Seattle needs to calm down. I mean, there's there's too much going on right now. I'm not in Seattle technically, Coach. I just want to go on the record. I, <laughs> I, see, I'm actually, I see that shirt though. I'm, I see that I'm skyline actually, basketball. I'm actually, but well, I'm actually skyline in used Bellevue. to have some players, Gordon. Coach, you know, there's a difference. There's, there's a difference. Between Do they still have players? players? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Coach, you know, there's a you know, there's a difference between DC and Kensington, right? Yes. 
Okay, so there's a difference between Seattle and Bellevue. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, John. Hi, John. Hey, Coach. Gordon took a shot at me because I grew up in I... Kensington. That, that was just a <laughs> shot. That's just a Where, shot. Where'd you go to high school? BCC, baby. But that's a Chevy oh, Chase. We, we lost to BCC in the semis my junior year. <laughs> Where'd you go? The state championship. Springbrook. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Coach, you yeah. want to talk about Springbrook a little bit? <laughs> uh, yeah. Coach, did, 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 you, did you or did you know you or were you not a teammate of Buzzy Brayman's? I was a teammate of Buzzy's. Now, these guys probably don't know that, and they probably don't know who Buzzy is. Uh, so I'll, I'll fill in the blanks for them because they're a little bit younger than the, me. The shot and doctor. At the exact, see, I didn't That's have to right. do anything. The shot doctor. And, and I, oddly enough, you know, in this six degrees of separation, yes. the, the year I was in Orlando was Chuck Daly's last year, and Penny Hardaway was the star on that team. Yes. And his shooting coach was Buzz Brayman, who I didn't know was from Maryland and really didn't have any interaction with. But but uh, uh, what was that high school experience like? And do you guys see each other and talk? And, you know, he had a full court basketball court in his backyard. (laughs) You know anything about his father? I don't. Okay, so his father was the judge for the Hanafi Muslim murder trial that involved a murder in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's house. Wow. EC. This was a long, long time ago. Buzzy and his brother had armed security for one year when his dad was sitting on that case because the, both sons got, their life got threatened, dad's life got threatened. And uh, so you would see Buzzy walking around school, or I think he may have been in East Carolina at the time, and we'd come back during the summer and there'd be a guy walking around with him and say, who was that guy? And it, it was security because uh, his dad was still the judge for this case. Now, did, wow. that, did that security extend to his on-court play? And is that why he was all met? <laughs> no, this happened after. This happened after. See. Buzzy was a good player. Buzzy was yeah. a very, really good shooter, obviously. You know, he was, um, he was Shaq's uh, shot coach for a while, which I would never admit. And uh, <laughs> he was Penny's. And I don't think he ever worked with Barkley. He was an assistant coach for Lynham with the 76ers for a little mm. Did you know that, Gordon? I, I, I feel like I did, but I but he was on the bench. He he was a full time assistant for about a year or two. Wow. I'm gonna be fifty seven coach and things are getting a little foggy. So so I, I, I might I might vaguely remember the Sixers <laughs> piece, but but it, nothing's too clear this morning. Yes. Speaking of coaching, uh, Craig, can you talk a little bit about your uh, your time as a player uh, at Certainly. Georgetown and, and you know as a coach, as an assistant? So, so when I coach. played when I played at Georgetown, um, seventy four to seventy eight, and, and I can tell you ver- uh, right now um, to start off with that um, I was a very uh, average, very average uh, college basketball player. But it was at a time when Georgetown was not in the Big East. There's no such thing as ESPN. And we, we were part of a group, a loosely aligned group called the ECAC, East Coast Athletic Conference. We had about 40 people. We had two automatic bids, I think, of those 40 different schools. And so we'd have a playoff every year. Our freshman year, we ended up beating West Virginia. And the guy that caught the ball that went through the net that beat West Virginia was Bob Huggins. Wow. That West Virginia team, and there's a picture, uh, a, a famous uh, shot that a kid made that was my college roommate, Derek Jackson, and uh, he made a jump shot about 15, 17 feet that beat West Virginia at West Virginia, and Coach Huggins was the one, you can see him getting ready to catch the ball out of the net because they're going to inbound it and try and bring the ball down the floor, so he was on that team, so we won that game. We made the NCAA tournament. That was the first time George Senna made the tournament, I think, in 30 years. My last year, my senior year, was one of our be- was probably our best team, the best team Thompson had. That was Thompson's sixth, sixth year at Georgetown. And uh, at one point, we were ranked 10th in the country. And that was the year. Michigan State had a really good team. Magic Johnson was at Michigan State. Larry Bird was at Indiana State. Um, and we ended up losing – in the ECAC championship game. So we ended up going to the NIT, went to the finals of the, of the NIT that year. 
Um, but that was probably our best year. We won, you know, 18, 19, 20 games every year that I was there. And then the next year when I left, uh, Sleepy Floyd was a freshman. Uh, and, you know, the program took off. Sleepy was there for two years. And then Patrick came in, in right. Wingate. 19, 1980. And, uh, you know, we had some, ended up having some great teams. Um, and I was a grad assistant for one year, I think, when Patrick was there. Grad assistant for two years when Sleepy was there. Sleepy, Sleepy was a great player. He's one of the best players Georgetown has ever had. You think about Alonzo DeCambe, Patrick, and Allen Iverson. But Sleepy was right up there. Sleepy, I think, still holds a playoff record for points in a quarter right now. I think he had 30 points or 25 points in a quarter for Golden State. But he was a heck of a – he was a shooting guard from Gastonia, North Carolina, the same town James Worthy is from. So uh, I graduate in 78. ESPN starts in 79. ESPN hires Dick Vitale. And the Big East started in 1979, too. Georgetown became a member. You know, everything obviously took off. Nobody knew who Georgetown was back then when I was playing. And uh, you had to – when I was a grad assistant, you had to introduce people to – well, this is where George, Georgetown's in D.C., and this is, you know, we're not in a conference, and the coach is John Thompson. And uh, so, you know, right now you, you don't have to tell people that, but uh, back then you had to, you know, basically tell them where's the school, you know, what conference were we in, all those things. Completely different now. There's, who's who's your, who was your favorite player to coach? You coached AI. Oh, that's, that you, that's like asking me who's my favorite son. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of, a lot of favorite players. Um, there were a lot of really great young men that came through that program. Who got the most uh, out of their talent? Oh, Patrick. I the morning. Oh, okay. Work, Alonzo worked as hard as anybody we've ever had to, to develop himself um, after his freshman year. He came in as a freshman being the most heavily recruited player in the country. And so there had to be a little bit of an attitude adjustment his freshman year. But after that, uh, he worked as hard as anybody that we've ever had. And I'm talking about during the offseason, weightlifting, staying in shape, working on his post moves, all those things. Um, you know, we had a bunch of guys that may not have contributed as much as Alonzo that certainly worked hard too. But uh, Alonzo, uh, you know, worked as hard as anybody we've ever had. I was just watching. I was just watching the Princeton game uh, the other night. Clearly, I'm bored, and that's how far back I'm going. And but, I, but that's really, pretty far back. Yeah, but but in in fairness to basketball, you know, if, if you have a love of basketball, uh, Princeton's a, a great team to watch play, and it's I think it's really educational for for coaches to watch. You know, to watch what they do, and um, really that in that game, Alonzo was the guy that held it together. I mean. He did. Uh, defensively did. in the paint, uh, offensively, even with his attitude, um, you know, and, and it's funny that you said that because I noticed there was there was one skirmish there during the game. You were on the bench for that game. Yes, must have been exciting. It was. It was. It was uh, very. It was too exciting. That was a tough game. <laughs> you know, the Coach. Princeton guys they claim Alonzo fouled that guy at the end. What'd you think? Uh, I think I didn't have a very good perspective. Yeah. Yeah, the Princeton, the, Prince, the Princeton guys claim Alonzo fouled the shooter. Of course well, they did. Anything's possible. I mean, you know, anything's possible. But <laughs> uh, uh, interestingly enough. This is the Sports Deli Season 1, Episode 13, with special guest, former Georgetown men's basketball coach Craig Escherich. And now back to the interview with Coach Escherich. Interestingly uh, enough, in the six degrees of separation uh, realm, uh, John Thompson the third wound up going to Princeton. Yes. So I I, I assume that And I think was... he was on I think he was on their bench at the time. Oh interesting. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think he was Kirill. Yeah, I he think may he have was been. Kirill's assistant. Yeah, he may have been. Interesting. You know, Co Coach, I spoke to uh Mike Lonergan and Kevin Brodus and they they said hello and they they spoke extremely highly of you. Well tell them I said hello too. Yeah, I definitely where will. Is, where is Kevin now? He's the head coach at Morgan State. Okay. Okay. That's right. That's right. Just want to ask you about your broadcasting career. You've been doing it, for, doing it for a while, and yes, I'm I'm more curious about uh, you know what what you've learned from from other people who were in the business before you, and what coaches you've sat in on and and learned from 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 that side of things. Oh, that's a great question. Um, 
so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go back a little bit right after um, I got fired at Georgetown. I had some time to go out and watch other people practice. And I went to Wake Forest, watched Skip Prosser, went to Duke, Krzyzewski, North Carolina, Roy Williams, went to University of Detroit, watched their coach, went to Michigan. Tommy Amaker was at Michigan at the time. Izzo was at Michigan State. And I, I enjoyed just watching what other people do. It gave me a different perspective about other programs. And that's part of what I enjoy so much now about doing the broadcast is being able to talk to these coaches and, you know, what, find out what they're thinking, find out a little bit about their background, uh, talk to them about, you know, their philosophy. And, um, you know, there's some great coaches around the country. And uh, I'll give you two stories real quick in relation to that. I did two games when Rick Majerus was at St. Louis. And uh, he's one of the great minds, was one of the great minds in college basketball. And uh, he did something I'd never seen anybody do in the scouting. They were getting ready to play somebody in the A-10. I can't remember who it was. And um, he put the number of the player on the other team on the jersey. So when he's going through the scouting report, saying, instead of trying to get the players to figure out the names, he said, okay, you have number 10, you have 13, you have five, you have seven. And, I, and I'd never seen anybody do that before. They literally had jerseys with, with peel-off numbers, and you put the number. And so Majerus was, was really creative mm-hmm. like that. Uh, Jim Laranega was another one that I had some interesting things. He made – and he still does it now, I'm sure, at Miami, where he makes everybody stand in a circle – and it's kind of like a Phil Jackson Zen type of stuff where you stand in a circle and look at each other, you know. And um, I, again, never saw anybody do that. Um, Carl Hobbs did something I hadn't seen. I think he got it from Calhoun. Instead of a circle, he made everybody stand on the baseline when he started practice. Um, Mike Krzyzewski's practice, um, the beginning of practice is a big deal for him. And I know, um, you know, with all his leadership studies when he was at Army and understanding how military people do things, I'm sure, you know, he's thought a lot about it. But it was interesting just to see some of the things that people do when they begin practice. And I had never really thought of it to the extent that I did when I, you know, that one year when I was going around watching other people coach because uh, it was just interesting. And talking to Jim Laranega, and he, he, he got into why he does it. And it consulted with a sports psychologist, a guy that's a professor at UVA that's written a bunch of books for uh, actually for for golf um, and is a world-renowned sports psychologist. And I can't think of his name right now, but um, he and Laranega have a very close relationship and he consults with Laranega too. So you said you don't want to get back into coaching, but do you like the style of play right now versus when I'm, uh, I'm not getting played? back into coaching. It's That's more, correct. It's more definitive yeah. than that, Mike. <laughs> okay, that's right. <laughs> do you like today's style of play? I yeah. do. I love watching basketball at every level. You know, some, Gordon I, I, I hates it, just for the record. Uh, Pardon me? You need, you need Gordon to clarify. Gordon hates it. Gordon no, hates standing it? around. Yeah, I hate standing around. If I wanted to stand around, coach, I could go home. I don't need to go to the I, court to stand I around. I have friends. I have friends that say the same thing. Uh, you know, the, the three point line, and you know, they. But I, I um, absolutely love watching games, and I'll flip through and watch games from any conference. I'll flip through. I like watching the NBA games too, and um, I'll, I'll watch. Uh, there's a channel on. I think it's. It's called BN that, that you get European League games. I'll watch those games too. So I still like watching basketball. I think the level of play has gotten so much better. A lot of people talk about, you know, people can't, can't do this. Can't. I, I think people are, I think basketball players are much better shooters now than when I was playing. I think they're dribblers. I think passing, the skill of passing, I don't know if that skill's gotten better. <laughs> I think they're much better defenders. Coaches are better at teaching defense than they were back, you know, 30, 40 years ago. But, uh, you know, the skill level's gotten better. Uh, the players have gotten better. Um, I, and and I, I enjoy, you know, the, the level of play in the NBA is just, you know, out of this world. Uh, and the level of athleticism's out of this world. There's some of the best athletes in the world that play in the NBA. So I still like watching that. But, you know, Gordon, I, I, I 
coached with some people like Gordon that, that have <laughs> with people taking 40 foot jump shots. I can, and I can understand that. He, Mike has it's, this narrative coach. He's got it's this entertainment narrative. to me right now. Right. And I, and I, and I, listen, I, I completely get that. And that, you know, I, I, I acknowledge that I am both perhaps a purist and maybe even a dinosaur in the view of some, and, and, but, but understand I could watch college basketball for 12 straight hours. Uh, you know, even when I wasn't coaching, I would take off the first two days of the tournament just so I could sit in my pajamas from nine o'clock in the morning yes. till midnight and watch every single game and be ready for another day of doing it again. And so there's no, there's no dispassion for me about the game, which is why it's difficult for me to watch an NBA game where guys run to the arc and stand 15 feet apart and don't do anything. That's what's difficult for me. I, I can understand that, Gordon. You are listening to an interview with former head men's basketball coach at Georgetown University, Craig Escherich. And we appreciate you listening to the Sports Deli Season 1, Episode 13. And here are the last few minutes of the interview with Coach Escherich, including our famous This or That segment of the podcast. So, Coach, uh, a couple things. I, I know you're short yes. on time, but um, two things. One, well, a couple things. I want to ask you, you used to uh, uh, teach at NYU, and I want to know if you ever yes. went to, to Rucker Park. Because you still play basketball now. Did you ever go there and show them what, you know, what an uh, old school white boy can I, do? <laughs> I went to Rucker Park to watch. Did you, ever, did you ever go also, to the cages? Pardon me? Do you ever go to the cages? Is that uh, is that on Fourth Street? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. No, that was great. No, I no, there was a subway stop right there, and I used yeah. to make games there all the time. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I played at Riverside. Yep. My, in answer to your question, I've never played at Rucker, but I played at the park Riverside and almost got in a huge fight uh, <laughs> at Riverside, but um, uh, with a guy that I went to law school. Two guys I went to law school with that lived up there. Um, they were working for a firm, and I think I was a grad assistant at Georgetown at the time. And I went up to New York to see a couple of my friends, and we played at Riverside Park and uh, almost gotten into a big fight. That's awesome. Okay, real quick, Coach, before you go, and then I'll let you finish with any closing remarks. All right, so you got to give me a one, one or the other answer here. All right, okay. All right, Sweet Caroline, Sweet Caroline, or Brown Eyed Girl. <laughs> Sweet Caroline. That was the first 45 record I ever bought. Wow. That's a really interesting. That shows my age. Yes. That's part of why that question was in there. Okay. Roger Maris or Mickey Mantle? Mickey Mantle. Uh, one of the best books I've ever read uh, was a uh, biography about uh, him. And I think the woman, Joan Ryan, maybe, wrote the book. One of the best books I've ever read. And wow. the funny thing is, Mike, you know who he reminded me of in a lot of ways? And you're, you're going to say, no way. Allen Iverson, his upbringing, athletic ability, wow. some of the problems he had to deal with when he was growing up. Um, Interesting. Reminded me of Allen in some ways. Wow. Interesting. And Read the book. It's a great book. I'll do that. All right. Dick Van Dyke or Lucy? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> of course, Lucy. Okay. Johnny Carson or Dave Letterman? Oh, that's, that's not even... Johnny Carson. Yeah. Not close. Flintstones or the Jetsons? I love both of them. Flintst I'll, I'll give the edge to the Flintstones, but I love both of those. <laughs> Pancakes, waffles, or French toast? Pancakes. Hamburgers or hot dogs? Come on, hamburgers. Okay, my bad. Singing or dancing? Uh, I got the worst voice in the world. Just ask my wife. Uh, dancing. Okay, but if you're alone in the car and, and, and you have a song on that you're going to sing to, what is it? I, I got a, there's a new song that I just, I heard on a movie. It's called Rumor. It's a country and western song, and I have no wow. idea which by, but I love that song. Girl, you know I've known you forever. How many nights we hung out together? Same little crowd, little bar, little town, round the soul dance floor. My boys are laughing, tap me on the shoulder, making a motion like a jog at any closer. They want to know what's up, why I'm still holding you, even when the song is over. There's a rumor going down about me 
There's a little preview of Rumor by Lee Bryce that Coach likes to sing in his car by himself. Interesting. Puzzles or board games? Board games, no question. Love board games. Risk, Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Dishes or vacuuming? Vacuuming. I hate doing dishes. Godzilla or King Kong? Uh, I was not into Godzilla at all. I don't think I, I, don't think I watched one of King Kong. Chocolate or vanilla? Just had a chocolate shake last night. <laughs> chocolate. Pen, pen or pencil? Pen. Zombie, I, zombie I hate outbreak. When my, students, my students use pencils on their exams and I can't read half of what they write. <laughs> pen. Jo, uh, Joel Embiid or Patrick Ewing? Oh, come on. Come okay. on. All right, my bad. Joel uh, Embiid needs to get his butt in the post. Right? Exactly. Now we're talking. Uh, a, talk lot, about a lot of people would agree with you. Yeah, talk about someone standing behind a three-point line. He he doesn't need to be behind a three-point line. But, but coach, <laughs> coach, there is no post. <laughs> well. Positionless, coach. They need on. to put him inside. I agree. That's a discussion for another day. Yes. Uh, LeBron or MJ? Uh, I, 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 I hate to say this, but MJ. Why do you hate to say it? Because I'm sure people uh, – my my people my son's age are, are going to disagree. With <laughs> so. Can I ask? Can I get a side question in on that, Coach? Absolutely. Uh, do you? We've talked about this amongst ourselves and with other guests. Do you think that in the conversation of greatest of all time, what an, what a player or a former player does off the court matters in that discussion? Uh, in other words, does does Jordan just do you stack up the two players statistically, or do you look at you know, their, their involvement in their community, their giving back. I, I, think, their... I, think you, I think you stack them up statistically, but I would say that Jordan as a role model has been very involved in, in the world. I mean, he's a great role model. And, uh, you know, he's, he's the richest athlete in the world, and that's a skill. And uh, he's done some great things. Uh, he hasn't, you know, he hasn't been someone that's been outspoken like a, you know, a Bill Russell or a LeBron James, but as a role model, there's a value to that. Okay, two more, Coach, because I know you got to go, and then I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with the final word. Uh, uh, invisible or ability to fly? Ability to fly. Okay, now this, is, this one's really important, now that you've gotten to know Gordon and I a little bit. I'm listening. Yoga with Gordon or me? <laughs> oh, man. I'll say yoga with John. My man. There you go. My man from Montgomery County. There you go. Well, I'll be. I'm up for another chocolate shake anytime, Coach. There we go. First, there we go. first of all, Mike is still teaching, and I don't have enough time. When you're coaching, you you can't do that stuff. I mean, I'm I coaching I don't, there too. Is, what do you mean? I'll tell you, coaches coaches do need yoga though. Yoga. <laughs> well, uh, there's no question about the need. The I needed yoga. I can tell yeah. you that. All right, Coach. Any final words? Anything we didn't touch on for the good no, of the cause? No. Just thanks. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for having Mike on a couple days ago. Yeah, Mike says hi also. Keep, he was, he was doing, phenomenal. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Thanks, Thank Coach. You. We really appreciate you Go being BCC. on. It was great some of the stuff you shared. We appreciate Thanks. it very much. Thanks, Thanks Coach. Let, see you. All right, John. See you. Take, Take care. care. All right. Thanks, bye. Coach. We hope you enjoyed our interview with Craig Eshrick, former head men's basketball coach at Georgetown University and current professor in sports management at George Mason University. This is the Sports Deli, Season 1, Episode 13, this is Hootie Hoot, your host, along with Coach K and Dr. J. I pulled that out of the hat, didn't I? That, that you didn't even know about that buzzer God, brain. I, and... No, that was really good. And I was going to say, you, you always say, you always uh, have a caveat about this segment. You guys have nothing to do with. And then you you interrupt it. You you twist it. You, you, you go sideways wait, wait, with it. Wait, it's too long. Jesus Christ. You didn't wait. A, a, a pack of cigarettes has a warning from the Surgeon General, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that segment needs a needs a consistent warning by the the co-host. We need, need a sponsor. Say, is what we need. John. John. You're right. This and that sponsor. sponsored by In-N-Out Burger. <laughs> exactly. So the um, NBA just announced uh, breaking news uh, that the NBA will be resuming play on Saturday. Uh, so I, I personally think that's a good thing. I, I, I don't think there's uh, a benefit to continuing to protest and not play. I did pose the question on the podcast yesterday. Uh, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this because 
I know financially it would, it would ruin a lot of things, but what if the SEC uh, and the ACC and the Big 12 decided to not play football or basketball this year in protest? Do you think that would change anything politically? No. Uh, not I think they'd be think, bankrupt. Think- so tied into that, Mike, the, the Big Ten just announced they're thinking of starting up football on Thanksgiving, after Thanksgiving. Yeah, why can't they change their mind? You, you, you knew they were no. going to – no, the, the Kevin, Kevin Warren is on his way out. It's been a nice one-year run <laughs> and uh, go back to the Vikings and make bad trades. Yes. Okay, can we just establish that, that John's mic is a higher-ed microphone? John, you need to get a broadcast-quality microphone. That's fine if you're talking about how many students are enrolling or hold the on, number or the attrition numbers. Hold on. Or- he's talking about my Toro motor all the time in my garage, and this guy sounds like he's, he's – uh, uh, Grizzly Adams. He's somewhere. talking. It sounds like this. <laughs> <laughs> he has no idea that we're still talking about him right now. He's right. You can't hear us. Reaching for his Diet Coke. <laughs> Is this better? Much this better. Yes. Okay. That's, you throw the other one away. No, I'll use it for my This Zoom is what meetings. happens when you prepare for the show 30 minutes beforehand. 30, or, mi- 30, 30 seconds. seconds beforehand or come in late to the party. Well, John. Wawa called. They're holding you a place in line. <laughs> oh, and, he, and he froze because he wants to take a, take a bite of his pizza. <laughs> you guys can't see this, but John's face right now is frozen. And I can it, see it. It's like he's in complete disbelief. I, I can see it. I think we should take a screenshot of it. <laughs> John has left the building. Oh, oh you're back? Right. Oh, you're back, John. John's back, everybody. He, he no, pulled yeah, a lavin. Right he pulled Wex, a lavin. Wex, Thank are you, you at home? Of yes. course he's at home. Yes. Okay. I want you to call Comcast when this call's <laughs> over and get a real broadband internet connection at the house. We have one. It's very good. And, okay. And then I, want, I, then I want you to charge it to Stacy's card. Nice. So what are, are you doing okay on, up there? What are your yeah. thoughts on the NBA returning, resume, resumption of play? Uh, oh, are we Saturday. talking ball? Okay, sorry. Yeah, I thought, we were, just, ball I thought we were just shooting the breeze. I mean, well, it's, we, can, uh, we can shoot the breeze. I mean, the, the, the problem is they listen to George Hill, who, in addition to not being a very good shooter, doesn't have a strategic plan on how to exercise. Okay. Well, you don't know how you'd react in that situation, though. He was just being <laughs> not a good shooter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean. So I mean, cooler heads I, prevailed, and and I think. Uh, but you don't walk out. It. You don't walk out five minutes before the game. I'm sorry. But 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 well, now, now you can't say that anymore because they did. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's like you could say you it, that's not done, but now you can't say it's not done because it's now it's been done. So now it's actually it's actually on the map. But it, that, you know what I mean? Impo- yeah. Well, that's true. It's well, the that, precedent. Isn't, isn't it more important that all ever all these different uh, sports teams leagues uh, join together and it, it's. Uh, Somebody said to me, it's more powerful. Somebody said to me yesterday that don't you think uh, Trump's numbers are going up because of all this? And I said, well, I don't know what kind of poll you're looking at, but I, I, I don't think that's the most important thing and why anybody should make decisions in this kind of situation anyways. Isn't the election already determined one way or the other? You don't think people can be influenced at this point? Uh, have you met somebody who was influenced? I mean, there's always people in the middle. CNN will interview these people. Uh, but but are the they? Election. Are they in the middle? I mean, are I they mean, truly undecideds? I think there's a lot of undecideds still. Okay, so you think, think there are I people, think, wait, wait. So you think there are people who are actually thinking to themselves in their mind, should I vote for Joe Biden or should I vote for Donald Trump? Yes. Okay. John, John you, you, you would know this better than me. You've been involved right. in politics for a long time. So mm-hmm. what's your response? Uh, there's about 15% that are swayable right now. That can actually be That's persuaded. Yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. 50, that's 50 million people. Well, that's, that's not, 50, not 50 million registered voters. That's the problem. The other problem is, are people motivated enough to come out and vote that are registered? So those are two different things. Are we going to see greater numbers? Well, let, forget we'll see that. greater yes. numbers. Yes. Absolutely. We'll see but the problem, is you, the problem is you'll be seeing more mail-in ballots and nobody knows what's going to happen with those. Well, they're not, they're not opened. Well, isn't, the difference between, isn't there a difference between mail-in ballots, absentee ballots, absentee ballots? Yes, there is a difference. There is a difference. Because absentee ballots aren't opened unless it's close. Within 2% usually or something like that. And they're opened after the election. Mail-in after ballots, election. mail-in ballots, if they're received, can be opened the day of. You want to run my campaign? What are you running from? <laughs> I haven't decided that yet. <laughs> where are you running from? So. But, but you've seen me run, so you should probably say no. Yeah. 
<clears throat> okay, I thought Craig was was really good. Is there anything else that you guys want to get into? I, I, I talked about a lot of things yesterday, and uh, I don't know if you have an opinion on anything. This is obviously in the forefront, what all the leagues are doing and, and being unified in their in their message, uh, the WNBA, Major League Soccer, tennis, basketball, football. Does, does anybody, does anybody uh, have a handle on the why of that? I mean, uh, let's – Let's look at two, the two components. One is the is the Bucks and what we're going to call their last minute choice to to not participate in their scheduled game, right? And mm-hmm. and, and that that could stand by itself, but it didn't stand by itself. It knocked over some other dominoes, and and there were other adopters. Why? Why were there other adopters? Because other people didn't see for themselves that that was relevant. Nah. And, and what what what's the? No, no nothing else would have. Uh move the meter you know anything that uh causes a financial hit and i don't know if there will be if if anything there'll be a greater financial gain from this because maybe more people will be watching in the end because it wasn't really canceled although a lot of the clippers and the lakers and thought thought that it was going to be canceled the season was going to they they really thought the season was going to be canceled but cooler heads prevailed you know jordan got involved and and spoke to the players uh, and Chris Paul, and you know, I think that they made the right decision to come back. But what other choice is there? I, I mean, I, I've, I've thought about your question already, and I, there's nothing else that I think you could have done it to, you know, sh- sort of shock people uh, to, you know, whether or not somebody stole the idea or they thought of it themselves. I don't think. No, I, well, I'm not suggesting they stole it. I'm just suggesting well, they did steal the idea, or they went along with it. Well, there's they nothing had, wrong they, right. with that. They, they, they right, they cooperated. You have assistant coaches, you know, I mean, people follow, there's, there's, an in, there's followers and leaders, you know? Yeah. I thought they made the right choice. They, the Bucks. Yeah. I don't yeah. think they should have done it. You know, there's people warming up still on the court when they, you know, people didn't even know, but that, well, they, get, that's when they decided get past that. Yeah. Right. Get, yeah. I mean, get past that. I mean, everyone agrees that they should. So have. my mom doesn't know anything about sports, but she said to me, I heard the other team was upset until they found out that they just decided moments ago. More important things to be upset about. Well, that's for sure. They'll get over it. John, anything else with Major League Baseball? We had talked about that a little bit, and then we didn't think the season was going to you know, finish, but it seems like they're, they got a handle on it a little bit right now, even though a lot of games have been canceled. Nobody cares. That's probably true. And I mean, like three people are watching Major League Baseball, and they're all over 80. And I mean, and the fact that the people were getting upset at Tatis swinging on a 3-0 count, with the That's bases loaded, than anything. tells you tells you that it, it's a it's a it's a get off my lawn league. The fans are get off my lawn guys. They're stuck in their ways, and uh, it's going to go the way of boxing and tennis. Which means it means it will be a, it will be a, a a niche sport very shortly. In the next generation will be a niche sport. Too long, too many games. Right. There's going to be a lot of empty stadiums taking Tons. up space. I was going to say you're going to all these new high-end stadiums that have fifty thousand capacity. The average, I guarantee you, five ten years from now, the average person going to a game will be twenty-two thousand, unless it's a playoff if you're game. Lucky, if you're a playoff game, yeah. And what about the NFL? Any thoughts about uh, them getting ready to start up here? Well, they have a good handle because they haven't played a game. Travel restrictions. Yeah did yeah. they did they wind up did they wind up uh, amending any of their equipment like face masks and stuff? That what what what's, where do they stand that's, with that? That's a personal choice. That's uh, I know, but I know Rydell and some other manufacturers were working on some helmet modifications. Has anybody adopted that? I don't know specifically. I would imagine people with uh, at risk conditions, not just obese, but uh, asthma if anyone has asthma or things like that i would imagine they're going to take every precaution i I don't i haven't read anything specifically about anybody but i I imagine most of them are not most of them have complained about it they're they're just going to play and whatever happens happens yeah they've opted in they're going to play high school season two here is supposed to begin uh season one's been bumped already season two is supposed to begin uh december 28th we don't we don't start till March. Our practices okay. start in March and then we finish in June. Okay. Well, we're set, set for December 28th, but <clears throat> I, I don't know how that's going to happen. I mean, this, the school is fully fully remote. So, you know, h- how do you how do you say we can't have kids in the building but we're going to have a basketball tryout with 83 kids? You do it virtually. A tryout? Yeah. Sure, they, it's a they, good they, idea. And, they videotape idea. themselves in their driveway. They right. have to buy a hoop. They all have to buy the exact same hoop at Dick's Sporting Goods. <laughs> 20% have, off. 
Exactly. They have to go through the same installation process on the same day. They have, their driveways have to be the same dimensions and they used to use the exact certified basketball. And then you have to watch them at the exact same time on 83 screens. And then you have to decide <laughs> this, which, which this 20 is you're why, taking. This is, this is why you're a VP of enrollment management. It's a great idea. That will yeah. never happen. Quick thing. There's an interesting article in the New York times in the sports section about Stanford volleyball. And it's being, if you guys missed this at Stanford at the beginning of the COVID, when they pretty clear the PAC 10, PAC 12 wasn't going to be able to play, eliminated 11 sports. Right. And Stanford actually has a world renowned volleyball team. Yeah. And a lot of Olympians go there and all that. And they basically, the attitude at Stanford, they think is going to become more about football and basketball and everything else can go by the wayside. And it's going to be interesting to see how many really? other athletic departments. And basically what's going to happen is if it's an Olympic sport, you know, Jesus. volleyball, running, any of these type of things. Archery. Yeah. Well, archery. <laughs> um, you're basically going to have to have private funding to support them. That's the only way these departments are going to let them support. That if they can't get donors, who are like at, at, um, I think Stanford's already raised like millions of dollars. Well, that's how Kansas State is. Kansas State is is uh, completely separate fiscally, and the university actually uh, gets money from the athletic department at the end of the year if they're uh, required. But Mike, you're missing you're missing the point. Is that the athletic department wants a different funding level even within the athletic department? That basically you're getting to the point where football and basketball are no longer going to fund these other sports. That they are going to have to be completely self-funded. There's just not enough revenue coming down after this COVID the cancellation, the delays, and, you know, no NCAA tournament last year, these schools can't afford, even Stanford with a billions of dollars endowment is not going to pull the trigger. Catastrophic. It is catastrophic. I mean, it's going to happen. It's happening now. Stanford's cutting 11 sports. What do you think everybody else is doing? I think you're going to see what you just said, Hoot, about March. I think you're going to see it at the collegiate level. I think there's going to be talk if we can't get a vaccine out quick enough and the rates keep continuing, you're going to see schools not open until March, until the flu season's over, which means athletics will get canceled, which means you could have football, basketball, and baseball as examples, or softball or soccer, or all being, you could have 26 sports being played at one time. You know, John, you're very informative. Would you like to become a co-host on this show? No, thank you. Okay. I, I, can't, com- I can't make the commitments. <clears throat> no, that's true. And I don't have the backgrounds that Matt, that who continue. And I, and I don't have a Toro in my uh, workspace. But I sense the desires there Toro. and maybe, maybe that's enough. Yes. Yes. But I, I, I am signed up for fantasy camp, zoom fantasy camp. Yeah. So. Well, the, I think the bottom line is it's a pretty grim picture and it's, and it's grim all over and it's kind of like a, uh, a spreading black cloud. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think we've really even, gotten into how how broad the effects of this is are, are going to be i think athletics isn't isn't just going to be and and economics aren't the only places this is going to be um powerfully affecting things right gordon you're wearing an where, under is, armor shirt and john's wearing a nike shirt last time you, you i was you know i'm going to pack up all my nike shirts and send them to you and you can wear them well, john will wear them I'll wait. I'll totally wear them. He can't fit in them. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Thanks. You said large. They're not large. I mean, I said extra large, actually. Okay. Well, they're all mediums. So. Did you find a shirt for Sweetney? No. My God. Are you kidding? I have to, I'll show you a picture of the boxes I'd have to go through. <laughs> Sweetney would be so pumped. If Didn't got... he say triple XL? He said double or triple. What'd you guys think of Escherich? He's great. I liked him. I was pretty surprised about his uh, position on the police. All right. Have you, anyone else gone to Rucker Park besides me and John? I was. I really wanted to ask him if he saw bias play. Uh, yeah. He had to have. Yeah. I couldn't have. I couldn't figure out where to squeeze it in. Well, before we get out of here, I do want to touch on a couple of things that uh, I saw in the news. Uh, Jacob Blake, Senior, uh, the father of Jacob Blake, who was shot seven times. Um, I didn't know this, but uh, I guess the Bucks, the Milwaukee Bucks, called him and asked for his input when it came to whether or not he believed that uh, the league should resume playing games. And he said he was just completely touched by the fact that uh, they wanted his input. And I just think it says a lot about uh, how we're humanizing these guys and not just telling them to shut up and dribble. 
and I applaud them tremendously for um, you know asking for his input and asking for Michael Jordan's input and Barack Obama and that they came together um, there was a lot of heated moments in some of these meetings but um, like I said cooler heads prevailed and I think their message is going to get across to people even more now uh, because they're a unified front and uh, I applaud the NBA for their continued efforts to focus on social injustice, um, pushing the voting initiative, and doing all that they're doing um, to change the narrative in this country. And um, I, uh, I'm looking forward to the next round of the playoffs that'll be coming up. The Lakers push through, the Bucks push through, um, and there's going to be uh, some really good uh, second round series here coming up. So, thanks again for joining us. This has been The Sports Deli, Season 1, Episode 13. And don't forget, you can always send us an email to thesportsdeli at gmail.com. You can follow me on Instagram at Mike Hootner or on Twitter at Michael Hootner. Until next time, this is Hootie Hoot, your host. Don't forget to vote. Go to vote.org. <laughs>